This episode was just next level. Whatever was different, we got to keep doing it because it, uh, personally, my favorite so far. We keep trying to get better, and maybe this is just the next evolution of our podcast. (laughs) I want to thank everybody for listening. I know I say that before every episode, but I really do mean it. It's everybody listening that makes it possible to keep this thing going we just had, I think this is episode 41, and that that's uh, we haven't had a week off. Our goal is to hit a year, and we're doing that because people are enjoying it. We keep getting emails with people telling us about how they enjoy the podcast, how they listen to it, how it positively affects them. Thank you so much for sending those emails. It really does keep us stoked and going. You know, this is definitely not a moneymaker for us, and we put hours into it, so... Uh, we really are stoked that people are enjoying it and getting out, getting something out of it. If you uh, feel inclined, by all means, hit the share button. You know, share it with your friends. You know, I always say share it with your friends. How about this time? You know, if you know a tree person that needs to up their game, just here or there, there might be some information that could help up their game send it to that person because that's our goal is to try to help people that need the help. So thank you for sharing it because it, it's making a difference and hopefully people are enjoying it. Other than that, you know, like, share, comment, all that stuff, you know, follow us on the so- social media and that always helps. So thank you guys so much. Without further ado, we're going to take care of some business and then we'll get right to it. This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, a substitute for professional arboriculture advice and should never be relied upon to perform or direct arboricultural work. The Tree Thinking Podcast makes no representations as to the accuracy, completeness, or suitability of any information on this podcast and will not be liable for any damages arising from the use of any information in the practice of arboriculture or tree work. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and their appearance on the podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The podcast and its hosts are not to be held responsible for misuse, cited, and or unsighted copies of the content within this podcast by others. The Tree Thinking Podcast may not be reproduced or distributed without the express written consent of the Tree Thinking Podcast. For decades, Czar of Power Tools has been the internal combustion engine. The image of a burly, flannel-clad feller wielding a two-stroke monster chainsaw has been burned into the cultural zeitgeist. With recent improvements to battery technology, are those stereotypes going the way of the dodo? Is the modern tree worker carrying a chainsaw powered by the same technology as an electric toothbrush any less burly? Any less flannel clad? On this episode of the Tree Thinking Podcast, we unplug from our preconceived notions and boogie woogie woogie into the DC future on the electric slide. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got another episode here for you tonight uh, talking about uh, power or battery powered chainsaws, electric chainsaws, their future, or their past, their future, where we're going, uh, what that's going to look like. Uh, but before we get into that, let's do some, perfect. Let's do some intros. <laughs> uh, first, I'm Corey. I'm Rob. Jamie. Yeah. So, uh, 
What have we got here? You got to say, uh, this episode's a little different. Okay, you're right, right. This episode's a little different. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about battery-powered chainsaws. Uh, it's, a, it's a topic that I feel like we've brought up. We've been dancing around this topic for what seems like the entire podcast, right? I mean, it seems like we talk about battery-powered equipment pretty much every podcast. Yeah. We're talking about, you know, one of our chainsaws or our blowers or what have you. Um, and it's just something that's been... Uh, kind of in the background, but now we're we're gonna push it to the front and see see what nice. comes up, huh? Cool. Sounds like fun. All right, so um, I guess where we're gonna start is uh, let's just talk about the internal combustion engines, like mm. our experiences with internal combustion engines. Like, I mean, we all started running chainsaws that had internal combustion engine. That was like the de facto ruler for years and years and years. Um, I guess you know what what are some chainsaws that have stood out to you that were internal combustion engine? What's your favorite, I guess? The new 500i is pretty sweet. Yeah. Especially if you get all the West Coast saw um, features for it, you know, the big felling dogs. I think they're working on a max flow air system, which is a, they might have the system, but they don't have a cover for it yet. Like it's too big for the, the stock cover. You mean the bark box? No, the bark box would go on front. So yeah, you yeah. get the West Coast dogs, the bark box, and then uh, the airflow system. Okay. So it's an air the filter. Intake. Yeah, nice. <laughs> but the stock cover for it doesn't quite fit. Gotcha. But man, that saw right out of the box is is a ripper. I mean, you got some at Sperry. Oh right? yeah, yeah, we got several of them. And um, when you put that bark box on, man, that is loud. It's so <laughs> loud. <laughs> it's so loud. <laughs> Sounds like a Harley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's a good loud, though, too. Oh, yeah. It sounds good. <laughs> well, we, me and Asa were up in Blue River at my property up there uh, moving some logs. And off in the distance, a ways out, you could hear someone falling some trees. And, uh, like, it was pretty far away. And Asa's like, yep, they got a bark box. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> you can tell. You yeah. can tell. And it's uh, like you were said, it, it's like that quality. It's like um, I kind of consider it the difference between a um, – no, no offense to anybody who does this, but a Honda that's been shittily souped up. Yeah. And then a nice, like, yeah. top-of-the-line sports car. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's that's kind of like the... Had, <laughs> before I got my pickup, I rolled around in a Toyota Corolla. You probably remember a red Toyota Corolla. Like, it's just like a mom car. Four, yep. Four-door. It had a spoiler on it. You know, it was, <laughs> the, it was oh, the S, the oh, sport yeah. model. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> Gotta keep the ass down. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ass down in a front-wheel drive car. You know, but I was... Uh, driving to a hiking trail once with some buddies and we got on like some gravel road and all they hit a little bump or something and my car just got really loud <laughs> the exhaust had <laughs> fell off <laughs> so i i booked an appointment with a a welder to like get it fixed but it was like a week out so there was a week where i'm driving around in this 07 corolla just like vroom, vroom, and i would like pull up the stoplights and put it in neutral and like vroom, vroom, vroom. <laughs> just cracking me up <laughs> oh, that's funny that's kind of what it's like when when but it really does give a lot more performance when you let them breathe yes you know when because we will modify like the 150s and stuff like that as well yeah where, where you where you poured out the muffler and advance the the timing a little bit and you know those 150s are i mean they're they're not like a really high quality saw they break quite a bit mm-hmm. but my god are they light and powerful when you and yeah. port the muffler out in advance of time, advanced and it's time. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's one thing with internal combustion engines is there's the noise. Like, yeah. you know, 
there's a sweet sound to it. You know, you think of like a 200T as like a cult following. Oh, yeah. And you could hear when someone starts up a two a 200T mm. versus a 201T. Oh, yeah. Um, Especially if they put one of those muffler. Or sure. A, the, the, little the bark box on it. Little bark box on it. Yeah. Which you've got one on your well, uh, 201. So right? I have a 201 and I, they don't make a kit for that. But my friend, uh, you know, bored out the muffler a little bit. And then I had another friend build me a little exhaust for it. So it sounds pretty sweet. <laughs> it's yeah. a little ripper. I got the West Coast Dogs on my 201 too. Nice. So for big wood, like the, the difference is huge. Definitely. What do you guys think about the comparison between the 462 and the 500i? I haven't. I haven't run a 500. My, like the uh, 460, 460 or 461. I don't. I don't think I've used the 462 yet. But okay. like that line of saw has been my go-to larger saw for, yep. you know almost 10 years now like that's just yeah. been like my favorite weight to power ratio like that yep. just like it's hard, it's hard to beat that i kind of like them like comparably to the 500i yeah yeah i personally i mean yeah. i it, it might just be the fact that the 500i really is that much different and, it, and it's kind of more than you need in in some cases like there's certain scenarios where i think that the 500i has more power than you need, or it's a different kind of power. The it delivers it faster mm -hmm. in a way that I'm not used to. Mm -hmm. So, like the first time that I grabbed the 500 die and just started cutting with it, I was like, "Whoa, this is dangerous." <laughs> <laughs> like, like, Too much right out the gate. <laughs> let's let's ease into this a little bit. Let's but ease the, into the 462 it. is just standard kind of same technology, and it's I think it's close to the same power. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on it, but. How about the weight between those two? Because I don't mind climbing with the five hundred I. Like pretty comparable. I mean, yeah. from what I can tell, they it feels pretty, pretty similar. similar. Yeah. In fact, we, after we bought the five hundred eyes, I had some of the guys saying, you know, when I when I get a big saw, I want the four sixty two instead of the five hundred I. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And we ran the three sixty twos at the company I used to work for a lot. That was like when you're sent up you know, the saw to, to rig out some wood or whatever, you get the 362. Yeah. So it's yeah. a nice light saw and could could get through the wood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's like our 261s. We, we bought yeah, those, are those sweet. 261s. Yeah. Those are pretty nice. Yeah, and, I, and I ran over one of those. <laughs> 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 oh, time to get a 500 yeah. <laughs> It was given to us by a client. He's like, hey, oh, I whoa. just have this hanging out in my garage, and we love that saw. That's like, a nice saw. It was just an awesome saw. Yeah. We loved it. And then we were working uh, – it was the TID. If you're in Southern Oregon, you don't know what I'm talking about. The Talents Irrigation Ditch. So it's this ir irrigation ditch, and we were on like a section line, like a gravel road kind of thing with the ditch on either side. Mm -hmm. So real tight quarters, and I just didn't do the vehicle walk around, and the saw was, was set. I think it was behind the chipper or in front of the chipper wheel or the truck wheel. I can't remember. I just hopped in and drove and was like, whoa, felt something. Maybe <laughs> it was chocks are down or something. <laughs> <laughs> the saw was all mangled. Uh, yeah, I fucked up. Always do your 360. Yeah. Always, always, <laughs> always do your, do your walk around. It's yeah. <laughs> an expensive mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you do you soup up your 260s? Or do you just uh, the run 261s? Uh, sorry, yeah, 261s. Um, or just run them stock? I think we put we put lighter bars on them. Gotcha. And I don't think we do. No. I don't think we have modified those at all. Yeah. I, I think I think my dad has a 261. And he, yeah, he loves that thing. He uses it's it. a great ground saw and yeah. a climbing saw. But yeah. go-to ground saw for just, you know, bucking stuff up. or It's lightweight. At one time, it was their 
best power to weight ratio saw, I think. That, wow. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's so, it's what, what would you say? Probably three quarters of the weight of the uh, 362? Yeah, I'd yeah. say so. Mm-hmm. Somewhere around yeah. there. Yeah. Wow, that's a, that's a great saw. Yeah. So, um, in some of my research, I was just kind of looking over like the history of like the internal combustion engine and how far back they went. And I found that the first saw, um, the first like forestry application saw, um, was designed by steel in 1926, like the first like Whoa. electric one. Whoa. Um, it was a two man saw, you know, they take it out to, um, take it up, up to a tree and then you'd have two people on either side, you know, kind of operating this thing. Cause they'd have a handle on one side and then they'd have the throttle on the guy operating the, the other controls on the other side. Right. But I think Rob, you have your grandfather had some history even further back than 1926. Yeah. Axel Myron. Yeah. My, my great grandfather on my father's side. Um, my brother's actually just telling me about it. He, he helped, um, it, he at least operated, but maybe helped design the steam powered, uh, chainsaw, gosh, I don't know what year it was, but it was like at the cutting edge of the technology. And I guess it used to take a long time for them to, uh, you know, ax out the face and cross cut the, the back on those big old giants. And, um, so they would strap a, a power head onto the tree and then it would be like a, a mechanism that just basically work the crosscut saw instead of people, the, the steam engine would do that. Huh. So it wasn't like a traditional chainsaw that we think of these days. It was, they were just running a crosscut back and forth. With the, with, from what it sounds like, a lever that just pulled it back and forth. That's nuts. <laughs> I, I would love to see pictures of that and like see if see it actually, you know, a video of it actually working. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that would be, that'd be nuts. Well, so what you, you said, uh, 19... Uh, uh, 1926, according 26. to both Steele's website and Husqvarna's website. So if your competitor is also giving you credit for coming up yeah. with it, then <laughs> it's probably true. So back then, I just imagine if you've got the, if you're lucky enough to be using the first chainsaws, then you probably have a Model T too. Probably. Oh, wow. Yeah. So just, you just, just load the, load the big chains, the big steam powered chainsaw into your model T drive out to the, woods. Crazy, <laughs> or, you know, drive out, you know, a mile into the woods till you get stuck and then you have to hike in the rest of the other 30 miles. What a, what a, uh, I'm seeing that they were called drag saws, drag saws, but I just, I typed in like a steam powered cross cut cause a chainsaw has a chain, right? Right, so right, right. When I was looking that up, it was. Not what we we're looking for, but this seems okay. like what we we're looking for. Right. So that would be like the 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 early internal, like before the internal combustion engine really came about. That would be like the before before mm-hmm. times for that, or the like the progenitor, I guess. Yeah, I don't know that there was anything before that before the steam steam powered, solar powered. Yeah. <laughs> before, <laughs> just, just hook it or uh, maybe a, a water mill. You know, like. Just oh, like that if you had a big, be, that big, could be. Yeah, big tree, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. run a, an entire aqueduct system out into the woods and cut well, down this I, giant tree. Yeah, because they would they would power they'd have a big uh, wheel going through a creek mm-hmm. that would power probably a belt, which is how they how old mills used to run, which, which would is why you run. Yeah, I wonder I wonder if you could set something up to where. Well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> probably, I was thinking maybe you could set it up to where you could actually use the creek and the belts. To cut oh. down a tree instead of mill them up. Yeah. <laughs> but, 
Yeah. I'm sure it's possible, but I don't know that they did that. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but maybe they did. Who knows? I think I've seen it in Skyrim. Have you played Skyrim? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course I've played Skyrim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw something called a steam donkey, a steam which donkey. is a steam-powered winch used in like logging and mining. Oh, oh so like right an around old, the same um, time. What do they call those yarders? Yep. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, the yarders are the are the tall like like booms that yard up the logs, and then the skidders are the the like big four wheel drive units that like pull logs. Uh, okay, okay. They like and winch they'll winch logs, and then they'll grab them and then pull them. Are they the ones with like the so? There's the center of the vehicle, which is kind of like a raised, um, I guess, arm or something. It's got a little like grapple hook. Yep. Okay, gotcha, yep. gotcha. And they, they like the whole frame on them pivots, and they're like lock, locked differentials, and just can go anywhere. I, I I was working with one on the fire up up Blue River. It's amazing. Yeah, those things like yeah. some of the logging equipment they use, like the the feller bunchers. That still just oh my blows my mind. Like ha- like picking up an entire tree, cutting it, and then processing it, and then dropping it into a pile, like a, a almost a perfect log. Like that just it's it's kind of the. Um, it's right up there with the technology of electric saws and the evolution of chainsaws. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just really in is. a different way. Yeah, it really is. Just you know, in a in a much bigger scale. It's not yeah. it's not like right there in your hand held, but it's like yeah, it's it's mind blowing. So yeah, um, I was and I was looking into um, some of the history of like battery powered tools, and I was trying to remember in my own life what the first battery powered like tool or toy or appliance that I used was probably a flashlight. Uh, yeah, actually the first one that I can remember was like, there was a, had a rechargeable battery that didn't have like a oh, double really? A or whatever was a, a flashlight. We got these, one of these um, emergency flashlights <laughs> that had a crank on it Oh yeah, yep. and you pull out the crank, twist it, and then mm-hmm. it, you'd uh, be able to turn it on. I nice. think it was, might've been led anyway. Um, and then before that, like the first like toy that I can remember that was battery powered was and was like rechargeable is what you mean rechargeable yeah. exactly yeah not not like not like one that you have to replace the batteries mm-hmm. in um, which is kind of kind of where I'm going with um, like the whole chainsaw because you know yeah. taking a chainsaw up into the tree with a bunch of double A's probably <laughs> probably isn't a great thing um, but the first like battery powered rechargeable item that I remember in my childhood was those little red jeeps. Oh Which yeah! Everybody like everybody had. Like, oh yeah, yeah. In, 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 like late eighties, early nineties. What everybody, were those called? Uh, power wheels. Yeah, power wheels. Fisher Price power wheels. Yeah, we yep. had a broken nice. one, a white Jeep. Oh, nice. it was broken, <laughs> but we had a big ditch in our front yard, so you know you can get some speed. <laughs> get the gravity, <laughs> power. Get going on that. Yeah, and those are um, a little bit different from like a modern battery. Those are uh, lead acid based so they're the same thing that you find in like your car but you could recharge them and then mm. you know drive around for you know 15 minutes or whatever and yeah you'd have to recharge it but yeah spent a lot of hours driving those around. yeah nice yeah those were exciting i'm sure ours worked at one point but i don't ever remember it working <laughs> I, I remember so i remember just bits and pieces i think we got that thing when i was like i don't know two or three mm-hmm. and i just remember bits and pieces i like Looking back through old footage, I remember it intact, driving it around, and then I remember it in a slightly dilapidated state, and then I just remember it in pieces around. The yeah, <laughs> like just we had taken it at one point and blown it up and smashed. You were it. probably trying to do work with it, You're like <laughs> tying blackberries up and trying. <laughs> yeah. Dad, Dad says I gotta get these cleared out by noon. Yeah. So I gotta check it or work. <laughs> yeah, those were, yeah, those were my earliest memory. But as far as like handheld, like tools. Ele- probably an electric toothbrush 
as far as like small size and then a drill, uh, a drill. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, there were some old school drills. There were some old school drills. Most of the drills that I remember were like battery connected though. I did, or, sorry, not bad. Uh, oh yeah, 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 definitely. They, they were rechargeable. Uh, well, not rechargeable. Oh, they uh, weren't. Like just, just straight, like plug into the wall and then you run the drill. I don't remember. Like I remember some old battery powered drills, but they're, I remember the electrical cord ones more. Trying to think of tools before the rechargeable drill. So nineteen sixty one, the first cordless electric drill. Nineteen sixty one. It was a nickel cadmium battery. Uh black and decker. Black and oh black and decker. Nice. The OG. <laughs> Design tools for NASA. Wow. Wow. Oh, that would so maybe it wasn't available to everyone. Yeah, maybe they're expensive just expensive piece of kit. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't remember Black and Decker being really high quality. No, they used to be. They used to mm-hmm. be, but then they yeah, uh, but they they've converted. Yeah, somebody bought them out, and then they turned into a shitty cheap brand. And Interesting. It's been this whole thing, but no. Uh, my father-in-law has been a contractor for um, years and years and years, you know, decades, and like he built his own house in the seventies, um, you know, with his own hands. Um, but he used like uh, Black and Decker tools, and he talked about you know Black and Decker being. Hmm. I think you could get them at Sears, and they were like okay, one of the high, yeah one of the higher end tools. But you know, hmm. through corporate America, they've been bought out by this corporation, who was then bought up by this corporation. Eventually, they just became the cheap, wow. uh, shitty tool brand. Outsourcing all their parts to the cheapest, you know, bidder. Exactly, and, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that would just, be so sad. Out comes for a piece the, of dirt. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, developed it and yeah. built the company to see that happen, and yeah, know, be heartbreaking. Or to be like the grandchildren of you know Black or Decker, like, and just watch something that your you know potentially grandparents yeah. or great grandparents have built, and now it just kind of becomes bastardized. Yeah. I mean. The money that they're probably making off of royalties makes it a little go down a little easier. But probably oh, sure. a love hate relationship. Yeah, yeah we love hate relationship <laughs> with it. Probably, they probably never picked up a drill. In <laughs> <laughs> never even seen one. A drill. That's for the peasants. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so we went from like steam powered. Um, I guess how did we get where we are? Yeah, yeah. How did we get where we are? Steam powered to um, internal combustion engine. Uh, questionably before steam powered, we probably had water powered, which yeah, you know, mills would be an old water powered source. And then before that, I'm sure they had, you know, oxen and just good old fashioned manpower, just go out there with a misery whip and cut down this monster tree. And then you've got your internal, um, after the steam engine, then you've got your internal combustion engine. And then they started coming out with batteries after that, which uh, in everything that I was reading on it comes out in the, late 70s early 80s is when they really start hitting the forefront i mean batteries have been around since uh like the batteries that you'd find lead acid batteries that you'd find in your cars have been around since uh the early uh 20th century right but then the the more rechargeable compact lithium ion or nickel cadmium um those are a more relatively recent advancement Right. Uh, that's state of the art, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, lithium ion is 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 is, is what we're yeah. using. I mean, it's what it's in all Everything. of our phones right now. It's in all of our tools. Yeah, and those. Um, let me pull this up real quick. Have using your lithium ion lithium, battery, yeah. <laughs> I'll use a lithium ion battery to look up a lithium ion battery. <laughs> First developed in 
85. A prototype lithium-ion battery was wow. built in by Akira Yoshino in 1985 based on earlier research by John Goodenough. That's, that's, a, that's a great name. John Goodenough. <laughs> that's good enough. M. Stanley Whittingham, uh, Richard Yazami, uh, Kochi Mizumi, Mizushima uh, during the 70s and 80s. And then a commercial commercial lithium-ion battery was developed by Sony and Ashi Kasei team led by Yoshi Mis- Nishi in 1991. So mid-80s is when it starts hitting like the main forefront, and then it's kind of just snowballed from there. And those and, are Japanese names, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that they still are primarily manufactured in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, it's it's pretty well known that the Japanese are really good at electronics. They, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> they regularly uh, manufacture some high quality stuff. So, um, I'm assuming that they're, uh, I'm assuming that they're still pretty much at the forefront of that. They are. I think that Tesla is right there yeah. with them. I think that Tesla's working with Japanese companies um, to develop the lithium ion battery technology, and that's the main limiting technology in that industry gotcha yeah yeah and i've what's the new battery type that they've come out with recently that they say is like multiple times as efficient as the lithium ion there's a new one that's recently hit the market i or not not hit the market but it's in like the the testing and development stage i i just watched a video about battery technology it's funny that we're doing the podcast because i just watched (laughs) a video about it and um Elon Musk was claiming that Tesla is at the forefront of the technology in, um, you know, with Japanese companies. But he said there's about 60 companies. To, and, and he didn't mention any other technology but lithium ion. He said there's about 60 other companies that are working on it, but they're not even close to, to, where to Tesla. the development that, that they've achieved. So there may be another battery, but it might not be applicable for that purpose. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think the article I read, again, I can't remember what the, so like, go ahead. It says using carbon fiber as the negative electrode, while the positive is a lithium iron phosphate. Huh. I mean, it looks like there's a bunch of different things that they're coming out with, but that's something I see that's different. Gotcha. And it's hard but to it's still lithium ion, huh? It's a, or lithium it, it, iron phosphate. Lithium, it's yeah. different. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if it's still a cell battery. I don't know. And that's the question. Is it going to be cells, like traditional cells, or is it just going to be like a single, like, maybe rod? Or? I think that they are still using cells. No, they're, they're definitely yeah. still using cells, but, like, thinking into the future, like, do you think they're going to be... Like, oh, yeah, it'll change for oh, sure. Well, yeah, yeah. What, what, what's it going to be? <laughs> Who knows? Let's do a bunch of let's let's do a bunch of arborist conjecturize about the future. Yeah. Um, what is the future of batteries? Yeah. I don't know. The, it may be using some kind of a solar application where you don't necessarily need as much like storage. Yeah. Yeah. To where you can you can convert just straight into energy. Yeah, and that would be. That would be neat. Yeah. So you'd have. I don't know. I'm just brainstorming. Oh, no. That, and that would be crazy. Like just having a, a solar panel on top of it and 
as long as you're in sunlight or near sunlight or yeah. maybe if it's efficient enough and can capture enough energy. Yeah. And maybe you don't even have to be in direct sunlight. Maybe mm-hmm. just the ambient light just Possible. from being daylight, it just, you know, collects that and it pushes it straight through the engine. Kind of like the the sights on a on a bow, how they collect all the mm-hmm. all the light, mm-hmm. like the, a like a fiber optic. Yeah, yeah. They collect all the light, and then it makes the pins brighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That'd be but nuts. This, this website I'm on is showing what all these different companies are doing, and it's all like different stuff, like silicon silicon anode lithium ion batteries. That's the one I heard about. Okay, cobalt free batteries, and then this one I just saw. IBM's battery is sourced from seawater and outperforms lithium ion. Wow. So they've discovered a new battery chemistry that is free from heavy metals like nickel and cobalt and could potentially outperform lithium ion. IBM research says that this chemistry has never been used in combination in a battery before and that the materials can be extracted from seawater. Do we have a lot of seawater on this planet? I think there's a bit. <laughs> That's interesting. That is that man. Cheaper, can charge faster, higher power. I mean, when I think of seawater, I think of the salinity being the main difference from regular yeah, water. Yeah, right, right, mean, right, right. The, Why do they say seawater? <laughs> Pro- probably the um, uh, the ions and the salt, because salt is a pretty good conductor, right? So they're probably pulling that out and somehow harnessing that into wow. some kind of battery. I'm, I'm assuming I'm just an arborist. I'm not a scientist. You sound pretty smart. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I put on a good front. I can I can pretend pretty good. Yeah, here it's all on this schematic right here. <laughs> <laughs> now it all makes sense. All oh, makes sense. oh, that little equation that yeah. puts it all together. There's the conventional system with the BMS and MCU, <laughs> and then there's the new technology. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. B- yeah. B- B- Parallel AD converters, AC <laughs> current, you know, reticulation. <laughs> you know. <laughs> pretty simple stuff really once you think about it yeah so yeah um so that that kind of segues into our next uh topic like the environmental impacts of a of a battery versus the environmental impacts of an internal combustion engine which i feel like we'll talk about the internal combustion engine first because everybody knows them everybody talks about them you've got sure. the uh like the initial production of it right like all the plastics and all the metals but then there's the the constant like you had mentioned, there's the noise, mm-hmm. like which is something we don't really talk about. Noise pollution is a thing, mm-hmm. right? Right, it definitely is. Right, and it's not like when when I think of pollution or when somebody talks about pollution to me, I'm like, okay, well, you're polluting a river or you're pumping stuff into the atmosphere, right? But like noise pollution, yeah, that can be pretty big, not just for humans though, right? Like, I went to oh, uh, yeah. I went to the quietest place in the lower 48. It's in the uh, Ho rainforest mm-hmm. and it was it was pretty cool it, it was not easy to find where's that it's in washington okay in the the Ho rainforest in washington um and a friend of mine like found directions to it somehow it's a, not a very frequently you know visited place mm-hmm. and she and i hiked in there and it's like find the stilted tree you know and then follow the path a couple hundred yards this way and then you'll see a deer trail and follow the deer trail for you know half a mile and then take a left and you'll see a rock on the ground that looks like this and we find it you know we uh-huh. we found this freaking place and it and there's just it's called one square inch mm-hmm. and um 
so she and I were there and we were just totally silent for like, I don't know, 45 minutes or something, just sitting there being as quiet as we possibly can and having this like reverence for like just the noise of birds and the natural world. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then a fucking airplane came. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just hit the meditative state, and, and the twenty first century rears oh its God. ugly head. My friend just started bawling. Oh, oh she I was mean, so disturbed. Oh my uh, God. Yeah, uh, Jessica, if you're listening, that was a super fun hike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it, it's it's so hard to escape. Like yeah. um, that story uh, brings up. Uh, my tr- my trip to the Alvord Desert, which we did uh, five or six years ago, and Alvord Desert is a dry lake bed in like southeastern Oregon, right? You get out there, and it's this uh, dry lake bed, salt flats. It looks like um, if you if anybody's familiar with the Bonneville salt flats, yeah, it looks exactly like that, um, just you know smaller and not in, not in Bonneville. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so we go out there, and like the night sky is incredible. And it's just so quiet because there's nothing for sound to bounce off of. I remember sitting in our tent and looking over and seeing these guys. Uh, sh- I think they had like an AR-15 and an AK and they were shooting, right? They were maybe a quarter of a mile away, which, you know, in normal conditions, that would be almost not deafening, but you you would hear it. Oh, yeah. Definitely hear yeah, it. Yeah, big time. But out there, I heard a light pop, like a very light pop. There was nothing for it to bounce off of. Mm. It, oh, my it was, gosh. Again, it, it, it's not as quiet as... Um, the spot you were talking yeah, about, I'm yeah, sure, uh, sure. If, you, if you went out there and actually measured it, but just the the serenity of it, and wow, you know, just being out there in the middle of kind of nothingness, it was it was it was surreal. And so, yeah, yeah that whole sound pollution, noise pollution, it definitely, like, it's not it's not the first thing I think of about when I think about pollution, but it is definitely it it weighs so much on even just us. When we got the 500 eyes, and and the guys got the whole you know mod, box mods on it, on it and everything. <laughs> We had we had some people on the crew protesting using them oh, because oh. they're so loud. Oh, okay. They were like, you know, where do you draw the line? Right. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like, how loud can we actually be before we're like, yeah, this is a little too loud. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, granted, there's a lot of other equipment that we use that's louder than than that, but like what? But maybe not. I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking the wood chippers, especially no, the they, older ones. They can't be that loud. The, the older ones can be pretty loud, especially when the muffler falls off or something. <laughs> yeah. One maybe, of my favorite Jamie's noises. Corolla. Yeah. <laughs> the, Cor- the Corolla chipper. <laughs> well, one of my favorite noises is turning off the chipper. Yeah. <laughs> you know, shut down. And you just instantly, like your stress level goes from like almost through the roof to like, yeah. okay, yeah. This, is, this is what it sounds like when I yeah. can actually yeah. think again. We've gotten... I think it's like the past two weeks we've gotten two compliments. You know, the the office gets them and they relay them to us that we're like the quietest arborist crew. <laughs> that nice. had, you know, that's cool. Because I hate running the chip. I love the chipper. It makes yeah. brush disappear. I love it. You know, yeah. And it's a a BC one thousand. Like it's a great chipper. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't like running it too much. So once we get it, it's off immediately. Like we've, we worked across from some other crew not too long ago. I don't know who it was, but. The chipper just ran. They did a big yeah. fur removal. It ran the whole, oh, the whole job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the whole job. <laughs> One of the cool things running. about the the fifteen hundreds is that they've got that little hourglass switch. The, the, yeah. eco, the eco idle. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool feature. Those things are nice. Yeah, yeah. 
just automatically lowers RPMs if it's not being used, and then you just hit the green button, it pops it back up. And it goes right, yeah. No, that that's a really, really neat feature. That being said, I still just love powering down the chipper. Like, just, you know. No. You, you, yep, yep, <laughs> yep. You, you do a big pile, you feed it through, you power it down, and then you go and you do more work. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just, you can think about it, and you're, not, you're just not stressed. But that's just me. Some people apparently love the sound of a wood chipper running constantly. And, you know, <laughs> maybe that's the white noise that they listen to to fall asleep. But yeah, maybe. That ain't me. That ain't that, me that's the, that's, it's a really interesting thing, though, being kind of in control of making policies in the company and then having something like a bark box come on and you have some, you know, some people saying that's too loud and other people saying, I love the power and the noise doesn't bother me at all. Right. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, I have to make a decision now. Yeah. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Okay. So I mean, then we were like, well, it only takes like 30 seconds to put it on. So you can take it off and put it on as you please. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Don't offend the, you know, yep. the coworkers and the clients. And it's still going to be powerful enough without the bar. <laughs> <laughs> but that 2% extra power that I need. Yeah. Yeah. So noise is one thing. And then obviously the, you've got the fumes and mm -hmm. it's not just, um, it's not just the fumes that you're spewing into the general atmosphere, right? Like you're right there next to it. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh my God, it can be terrible, especially when you're milling Oh, and you got the Alaskan chainsaw yeah. mill out with the 395 or the 880 mm -hmm. and it's a hot day. It's like 90 degrees. <laughs> and yeah. You're just like hugging the chainsaw and ripping through. You're just sucking down those fumes. Oh. 20, 20 minute cuts, 30 minute cuts. Oh my God. <sighs> Ooh, yeah. Or if you don't have a chipper and you're loading a truck, bucking down yeah, yeah. the back <laughs> yep. of the chip truck. Say a chip truck. Cut yeah. 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 Oh my God. Take I've a quick there. nap. <laughs> <laughs> An accidental nap. Right. Accidental <laughs> nap for the rest of your life. Oh, man. Where did the last three hours go? I've just been sleeping back here. Yeah, no, those fumes, man. Like, just talking about it, I'm starting to get a headache. That's the, that <laughs> shit is, whew, that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's bad. And it's it's when you're blocking down a tree or when you're taking down a stump or when you're milling, like, you, yeah. you are right right there. Like, uh, you literally get as far away as you can while you're still holding the sun yeah. trigger. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like. Yeah, I mean, I, I love my 200T, but I don't love it that much, man. I don't love it that much. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously, we've got the manufacturing pieces, like an another one of those kind of hidden costs. You've got, you know, all the plastic that goes into it. You've got all the all the materials that you have to mine to, to build the, the metal parts and all the electrical components and, you know, the dynamo and the chain and the chainsaw itself. It's There's a lot of hidden costs that go into that. But, I mean, that, that translates also to the battery powered or an electric chainsaw too right you've got that initial upfront cost and on a battery saw i've noticed that they're a lot more plastic right so yep. there's there's just not as many metal parts you've got the like the engine or the sorry the motor and then the actual uh part that interfaces with the chain right the, the sprockets and all, all yep. your, what have you and those are generally metal or some kind of centered material right and then the rest of it is pretty much like a fisher price toy right <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, yeah that's true. That's interesting. I, I don't know why I just thought about this. I'll just mention it for a second, but I don't want to derail the conversation. Um, we used a 350-ton crane on a uh, removal, uh -huh. and the sheaves on the uh, top of the boom that the cable goes through are uh, plastic. No. Nope. No, yeah. no, no, no. They are. <laughs> nope. 350 tons. That's plastic um, sheaves. I'm going to say no to that, dog. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> that, that is. Crazy. It blew my mind. Yeah. Wow. Like, 
plastic sheaves on a 350 ton crane. Huh. Did you, did you tie into it? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I read the ball for sure. Nice. Over Fenton Hall. <laughs> That's yeah. nuts. Yeah. I mean, pla- cool. plastics do some crazy things. And Unbelievable. I, it just really. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, you, you think about like your, your red solo cup, right? And you're like, this is kind of the same material that's like hoisting this giant yeah. top that I'm about to lift, right? Seriously. I mean, not obviously the same material. There's a bunch of different mm-hmm. stuff, but it's still, still, it's like, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That blows your mind. And back, back to the difference between electric versus uh, gas powered. One thing that I, that I heard years ago, and I'm sure that it'll change over time as a technology for um, electric vehicles and, and tools, um, you know, advances, but I, I heard that it's more environmentally uh, friendly to rebuild like a, like a big monster truck, like my big green one mm-hmm. with a big V8 and, you know, the whole thing, then buy a Prius, mm. a new Prius. So building the old seven, rebuilding the old 72 motor and keeping it maintained is more environmentally and more environmentally friendly than buying a brand new Prius. Right. And, and that, driving it for the life of the vehicle or the life of the rebuild. Right. And that ties into kind of the, when you, when you talk about sustainability or think about sustainability, that ties into the kind of the reuse principle, which is one that's so often overlooked. It's yeah. like, I'm going to replace all of these things with like green stuff. Yeah. And I'm going to pay all this money for green things. They're instead. 10 times more. They're, they're, they, exactly. <laughs> but like, I've got this perfectly functional car. Maybe just drive it till it literally explodes. It's it's probably going to be more environmentally friendly than buying a brand new electric vehicle. Right, that they have to mine yeah. all that garbage for, and then they have to you know do these impacts for. But like then that. I'm sure there will be a, a transition point where it is more environmentally friendly to go with the newer technology because they'll eventually be able to do it with less impact because they'll be getting their batteries from the ocean or something. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and, and a lot of the stuff I was reading on lithium-ion, it's the the biggest cost for that is, well, initially the mining, right? So the mining is, it uses a lot of water, which is the huge um, worst part. Yeah, I see here, 500,000 gallons of water per ton of lithium extracted. Which is a lot of water. Yeah. 500,000. That's a lot of water. That's a little bit of water. Probably like a... Olympic swimming pool or yeah, more. A, it can cause droughts or famine if operations aren't kept in check, you know. Yeah. It could, and could be costly. Yeah. So you've got that initial cost of the uh, initial production of the battery. But if we've got all this lithium ion or li- these lithium ion batteries floating around, like how many cell phones have you guys had in your entire lives, right? Like a lot. Yeah. yeah. And just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Break them. Or yeah. Lose just them. break them, recycle them and throw it out you get a new yeah, cell like, phone like right? what every six months yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm on my third one this week actually there's lots yeah. of burner phones <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing jamie depends on the phone call i might have to toss it <laughs> <laughs> sorry this line's hot gotta go <laughs> but yeah no like just that reusing those because lithium ions again they're 1985 right that, that's how long they've been kicking around for there's a lot of those batteries floating around if we can make it more like as it is right now, it's cheaper for the companies to just mine that new stuff and then put it into a battery. If they could get incentivized to recycle that and then, you know, plug it into, mm-hmm. you know, the new, new components or whatever that I feel like would be back to the reuse, back to the reuse. Yeah. <laughs> Cause we already have it. Those impacts have already, you know, 
what's done is done. We can't fix the past, but we can move forward and, you know, hopefully do better in the future kind of thing. That's the big argument against electric stuff is say, I bring it up, you know, making a joke on how, you know, your gas powered saw isn't as environmentally friendly as the electric one or whatever. And mm-hmm. someone's like, well, like think of how much went into making that battery saw. Right. So, but once it's made and it's there, you're, you're not, you know, emitting anything out of it. No. You know, I don't know. It's cause it does, it is, it does take a toll, you know, it, do, it does, but it's again, it, it goes back to that right reuse. Like maybe instead of like, maybe your saw is not quite uh, what you want, or maybe you're, um, you know, they've come out with this brand new saw that's, you know, it promises like 15% more performance, right? But your saw that you have is perfectly fine. Why do you need to get that new saw if yeah. your old saw is perfectly fine? Just like, yeah, I mean, it it doesn't, it shouldn't fall on the individual, but unfortunately, parts of it do, right? And like collectively, that's how you kind of make a difference, right? You make those little choices that hopefully add up to something that, you know, long term would mean something. You think ultimately it's it's better to move toward electric? I think so, because I think ultimately the technology will get to a point where it's more sustainable or we'll just keep reusing what we already have. So again, that cost has already been paid. Again, in the past, we can't undo what's already been done. Cost has already been paid, but we're kind of just mining that, using that, um, using what we have already to kind of keep moving forward. It, uh, it might be when we're on Mars that it actually pans out. I mean, <laughs> you mean, uh, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> yes, that's that's very true. That's very true. It's a matter of time. It's a time frame because eventually if the technology can continue to develop and improve, eventually it'll get there. Right. Yeah. You know, but if it, if, if for whatever reason you can't continue to develop or improve the technology, that's the only way that it wouldn't. Yeah. And, and that's where I see like an internal combustion or any kind of reliance on fossil fuels. I see it as like stagnated. Like we've, we've maxed that out. Like it's as efficient. I mean, there's, there's little efficiencies that you can get. Sure. Still. Right. Like you can still pour, keep pouring money into it, but it's at the point of diminishing returns. Right. The more money we put into it, we're not going to necessarily get that back out of it. Or the more reuse research. it, reuse it, right? Reuse it, and and you, there's plenty of internal combustions that we can reuse, right? And then we're not investing in more of that technology. We're utilizing it for use, right? And then investing in the new technology so that advances faster and it can get the return faster. Precisely. Yep. And the the amount of like. If you've got the newer uh, internal combustion engine and then you've got the newer battery uh, technology, right, the more money, time, energy, and resources you pour into them, you're going to get like 2% out of the, these are just made up figures, you're going to get like 2% of the internal combustion engine and you might get like 500% out of the battery technology just at looking sure, at... Sure, growth. Yeah, like growth. Just looking at how... Technological where, growth. Yeah, yeah. Where, where battery technology has come even over our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Like just talking about... Um, our electric toothbrushes, our batteries, our um, power wheels from when we were kids yeah. to where we are right now. The new 541i. Or, yeah. Or, yeah. 540i. Yep. Yeah. The thing that will is the is the best song. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so good. It's so good. The 540i. Here it is. Yeah. They, they, they've been breaking on us too, though. 
Yeah, yeah. They need to improve that technology. <laughs> they, <laughs> they do. So, so what kind of failures have you seen with the? Fi- I've been. They just stopped working. I don't just even know. Work. Okay. Yeah, and we actually had some. We were running some of uh, the electric saws before that. I forgot what model. Uh, Five thirty-six. Five thirty-six, probably. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, and both of them broke too. Huh. Yeah, we had those at Canopy, and we had issues with them. Yeah. You know, after a period of time, it just stopped working. And then the warranty thing was weird, and. It turned out that I think we just, like, wrote them off. Hmm. It's like, oh, it's a loss. It's a loss. But it's the very beginning of the technology. I'm not the very beginning, but it's the very beginning of the good technology. Right, right. You know, where we're actually using them, like, like putting them through the It's a professional tool. Yeah. Yeah. Arborist grade. Yeah. Tool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's not like, oh, yeah, you've got a toy chainsaw there. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, you did an entire removal with a battery chainsaw. <laughs> we were yeah. we were pruning this big, beautiful uh, white oak. I'm sure I'll talk about it soon. But uh, at the client's house, I saw a, an electric chainsaw. It had a price tag on it. Still, it said fifty nine ninety seven. So it was like <laughs> sixty bucks, and it had a you know a two or a one foot cord coming out of the back. Oh, yeah. uh, nice. I'll have to show you a picture. Yeah. That's awesome. But I sent it to a couple of my buddies saying, "Hey, I finally got a battery powered saw <laughs> or an electric chainsaw." <laughs> <laughs> Catch it up with the times. <laughs> Imagine dragging an extension cord around the tree. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been done. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that and that brings to mind um talking about like dragging a giant extension cord around in the trees. I don't know if um, you guys at Sperry, when you did like cabling work, if you did like the hard cables, so you had to like actually drill into the trees. Did you do that a lot, or have you been mostly Cobra for or uh, we dynamic? Do, we do both. We switched over to uh, what back in the day, way back in the day, we used to just use the soft cable on the uh, thimbles with the aiming eyes, and the and then we moved to the with a through bolt, mm-hmm. and it'd be like the bigger stuff was like five eighths, the real big stuff was three quarters, and then we go down to you know, the half inch or three eighths. Right. And you just put the all thread through the tree, mm-hmm. put a washer and a nut on the back, put the aiming eye and the thimble with the soft cable, you'd wrap it through the thimble and then wrap it around the mm-hmm. uh, cable. That was like the first stuff that we were using. Mm-hmm. And then we got to the preforms to where we'd use the same aim it through bolt and aiming eye, but with a preform on bigger cable mm-hmm. so you could use stronger cable for the big stuff gotcha but that had to be like pre-measured we would cut it after okay we'd put the preform on okay so you just have big bolt cutters that you would cut it off and uh i remember one time me and doug were up in a huge cottonwood it was probably five feet in diameter at like 80 feet where we were putting the cable in Jeez. and i was on the tr- trunk it was i was on the trunk like hanging from the rope, and Doug was Doug's feet were on my shoulders. <laughs> we had like this custom bit made that was like eight feet long, <laughs> and he was pushed all the way back as far as he could, holding it. You know, just rawr, the big old gas-powered drill we would use, yeah, yeah. Like, like big, heavy, powerful drill to go through big stuff. That was the biggest, like, coolest thing that we did with the the old school wow. drill through big through bolt stuff. But now we have like a tiny like quarter inch or three eighths inch. And we put the cable through the tree. Mm-hmm. And then we have the, the, uh, a piece that, that basically stops the cable. So it's just the diameter. It's like of the a cable. nut and a cone. I just did yeah. my first one like that the yeah. other day. Yeah. With the, the cone and the, yep. Yeah. Exactly. I, think, I think they call them 
It might just be a name brand, but Wire Guys, I think I've seen them. Sounds right. That. Loggers use it mm-hmm. for rigging stuff, and, and you bend the one. Yeah, yeah. it was yep. Yep. quick and easy. Yeah, and they're pretty, they're, it's a small hole to drill in the tree mm-hmm. Yeah, that, in comparison to, to the traditional. Yeah, that's what I used at my previous company. That's pretty much all we used. Was, really? Was those guys, yeah. Yeah, that's what we've converted to. We were using those uh, black things that you, like, twist on oh, that are, yeah, that are yeah, a little yeah. bigger. Yep, but yep. Uh, after, like, one or two clients had them fail, mm-hmm. they were like, the black thing's on the ground <laughs> and yeah. the cable's loose. Yeah, and, so. We're like, ah, oh, we need a different cable. We need, need a different cable. <laughs> For me, I'd always thought, like, Cobra versus like a static like wire cable weren't necessarily interchangeable. It was kind of dependent on the defect or the species or you know. Definitely. A- absolutely. If there's a, yeah. if there's a failure or a defect, mm-hmm. then it's pretty much steel. Yeah. From what I understand, yeah, yep. static. Yep. And then if it's just a nice tree that you want to little fail safe the limb, or yeah, 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 yeah you just don't want it to bend past a certain point. Yeah, let it kind of do its thing and build reaction wood and whatnot. But right. Yeah. I think the follow through is the most important thing with the Cobras. You really got to have the, like, come back seven years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, right. I think they have a seven year lifespan, right? Uh, like, I'm, technically. I'm, it, I'm not familiar with Cobras, can, so. I, it depends on, obviously, it depends on its exposure to the, um, the sun. Right, right. You know, if it's not exposed to the sun, it'll last a lot longer. Yep, <laughs> but, yep, yep. but I think that they recommend seven years replacement yeah. and we shouldn't just say cobra cable like a dynamic cable dynamic versus cable. like a static okay. cable because yeah. there's like because there's a bunch of different brands better products out there, <laughs> okay. think, or like nicer displays yeah and just yeah. I, yeah. I used, I, uh, yeah yeah um so yeah anyway where i was going with that is i remember when i first uh started in tree care and when i was first doing cabling we had this big um gas powered saw right or not saw uh, drill right so big gas powered monster honking steel drill. It was brand new when we or we bought it when I was there, and then we used it for all the cabling because our old saw had gone tits up. So we were using that for all the drilling. And now, if I were to do, um, you know, some cabling, yeah. I've seen, you know, I, I would use, I would probably just take my, you know, little cordless. Well, we have the sixty amp, like the super, the thirty six volt sixty amp cordless Dewalt, mm-hmm. like most powerful power drill, right battery powered and we've been using that for probably five years yeah yeah and we we do big stuff with it it's a smaller diameter hole because you just have to drill the uh the diameter of the cable you're putting in out and then um you know before with the really big diameter stuff we were drilling three quarter inch right like big holes and then the wood would get all caught up in mm-hmm. it and it would be a nightmare and yep. and, and you have that giant ass bit that's like Heavy and long heavy and awkward, and, long, yep, and you're standing yep. on someone else's shoulders. Like, trying to <laughs> I wish I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been so great. And then you lose your grip or something, or you slip, yeah. and it breaks. Well, it, it would just... it would wrench on your on your oh uh, yeah on your wrists yeah. so bad that when the when it would get bound in there on oh, the wood, yeah. and the whole drill would keep trying to turn, and even the even the sixty amp thirty six volt. Yep. Drill will wrench your yeah the amount of torque wrist, on that yeah, yeah. That, that's a wrist breaker man for sure that is I'm f- thinking of like the Benny Hill theme song with Doug Sand on your shoulder it's like <laughs> 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 oh that's Benny <laughs> but yeah even things like those I mean obviously we found little efficiency so we're you know drilling smaller holes so that goes a long way we're building we have you know stronger grade aircraft grade cable that we're yep. sending through it so we can have a smaller diameter but also like we're using cordless drills, battery-powered yeah. cordless drills to drill through trees and yep. then build these support systems when we used to be hauling a 
basically a, a chain, the equivalent yeah. of a chainsaw. Like the big saw. <laughs> like the big saw. Yeah, like a, a 660 up yeah. into the tree to bore totally. these holes out. And yeah, it's just, it's an interesting change that I've seen. And I've, I've been like, huh. huh. It was probably one of the first, <clears throat> probably one of the first tools that we used to replace an internal combustion motor with battery. Mm-hmm. Was was the drill for cables? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that was the first tool that we swapped swapped over on, and we were just in the market for buying a new truck, uh, you know, twenty six thousand GVW sixty five foot bucket truck, and I called Freightliner, inquiring about electric vehicles, uh-huh. and Freightliner was like, yeah, in like four or three or four months, you could you could test drive our electric M2 26,000 GVW vehicle that could hold your Alltech 65 foot boom. Wow. So they're coming up with trucks like right, right now, as we speak, Freightliner has an M2 26,000 GVW truck that can put an Alltech 65 foot boom on it. Literally just today. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. It's incredible. Literally just today. So, you, you know our street sweepers at the city, right? Yeah. Mm. So they got a new electric street sweeper. Like it says right go. on the right on the front, you know, zero emissions. Yep. Whatever. But an electric street street sweeper. And these are like, these are CDL grade vehicles. They're big trucks. They're big trucks. They're not small trucks. Yeah. 100% electric. They yeah. said it was, it has a 10 hour runtime, which is the shift for, you know, a normal shift at the city for a street sweeper is about nice. 10 hours. Um, and I think it's, an hour of charge time equals, I can't remember what, what exactly they were quoted at, but like, and and you remember the sound that the street sweepers made. It was yeah. just a god-awful, like, jet termine. Yeah. Sound, yeah. Right? <laughs> they're, they're just so loud. The loudest thing I can, I, they're probably the loudest thing, short of a jet engine. Really? That I can think of. They, they are so The loud. motor? Uh, or the sweeper? The motor. Wow. I mean, the sweeper obviously adds a little bit of, yeah. um, a little bit of noise, but it, they're just... They are so for some reason the street sweeper got a really loud motor. Yeah, for yeah for whatever reason. I don't know what they were doing. Well, at at the city, our our shop was right next to their shop, so they could mm. fire up the street sweepers in the morning. And that was loud, but we'd do maintenance on our chippers and fire those up in the morning. Little war of noise pollution yeah. going on in the mornings yeah. at the Roosevelt Yard. You think it that's was, loud? <laughs> very very far from one square inch. Very far, <laughs> very very light years away. Um, but yeah, no, this like this electric street sweeper, and I I listened to it a little bit. I saw it drive out of the yard, so I, I like tried to listen to it a little bit, and it's it's I mean it's definitely quieter. It's wow. definitely quieter. But like that blew my mind. Like a CDL grade vehicle, like probably about yeah. the same size and GVW as yep. the, the Alltech trucks that you're talking about, just all electric. Or it's the M2 Freightliner. M2, sorry, M2 Freightliner. Yeah, Alltech is the the boom on top. The boom on top. But yeah, I I mean I'm. It's still in my mind. I I want to buy a, a you know electric chip truck that can have a boom on it mm-hmm. yeah. and tow a freaking eighteen hundred. Yeah, Andrew's yeah. talking. Uh, Andrew's been talking for uh, a couple months now. Yeah, about getting the F one fifty. Where, where, oh, the lightning. Where is that guy? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I don't I don't miss him. Yeah. yeah. This episode's a little <laughs> this episode's a little bit different because Andrew's not here. <laughs> but before we get into that, Corey, take it away. Yeah. <laughs> Corey's really enjoying the power. All right. Of, uh, it's it's really it's really going to my head. If you can't tell, like it's just 
<laughs> it's bad. Andrew will edit <laughs> this so we could yeah. say some little Easter eggs for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the the it's interesting because it is ultimately probably going to start with the with the hand drill to put cables in and work its way all the way up to our our chip trucks. Yeah. You know. And food I, trucks. Yeah, and I guess that's that's the next question. Where do you see it ending? Do you, like do you ever think that a full-size um I mean obviously they have ch- electric chippers over in Europe, right? They're yeah. already running those. Well, they've got electric tub grinders. They've got electric okay. like major major huge. But that's the same as trains. Yeah, yeah. Trains are electric. They just have a diesel generator powering their electric motor right so once they get that energy so it's the same thing as the tub grinder the tub grinder is going to have an electric generator or a diesel generator powered an electric motor right right yeah yeah um but excuse me i guess my my question now is like where where do you do you see every like do you think internal combustion engines in the future will have a future or are they kind of going to be a niche like look back in the past and it's going to be kind of a sundial kind of thing or do you think they're still going to be, you know, around like maybe our biggest saws? Like I'm thinking about the power to weight ratio and all that. No, the technology will come up to where you can replace it, but I don't know that we will. Yeah. I think that I think there's going to be some diehards. I think it would take a long time too, and who knows what the next hundred years is going to hold? Yeah. yeah. You know, or I don't know how long it's going to take to develop. The, eventually, if people keep working on it, the technology will develop to where the batteries are cheaper uh, that's the reason why they're making battery powered semis is because they're cheaper in the life of the vehicle mm-hmm. it's cheaper for them to operate and maintain a battery powered vehicle than it is a combustion engine so yeah it economically it's going to make sense to be running eventually they'll work the kinks out and the the 540i's aren't going to break down yeah and the the batteries will be lighter and last longer and eventually you'll have some little thing like this that's like the 200T. Yeah, right, right. You know, that's got a bar that long. And you just whip it up. And you just cruise up and you're like chunking down a big fur. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, <it's> like <laughs> Don't mind me just making a 32-inch diameter cut here. <laughs> yeah, no, I could see that. And I, you brought up a good point there, um, like the maintenance. Like yeah. that, That's the one thing that, like, starting to integrate uh, battery chainsaws into my own personal uh, work and then also the work at the city, like, the maintenance on those things is a dream, man. Yeah. Like no oil changes. No oil changes. <laughs> you have to fill up bar oil, you change the battery, and you blow it out. Yeah. That is it. You don't have to clean an air filter. You don't have to clean a fuel filter. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about the, the spark arrestor. You don't have to worry about the muffler. You don't have to worry or about... the electronic fuel injection. No. Or the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, there's nothing. I mean, granted, I can fix a... A, a internal combustion engine sure like i can strip it down to nothing yeah i'm not an electrical engineer though so i'm not going to find the fault yeah and then probably fix my battery powered saw i don't think that i don't think they have nearly as many issues in general no no they don't you know i mean you think about a, a electric motor they're pretty reliable yeah and they're, they're, they're pretty yeah they're, i don't think the motor is what's breaking on the 540i's no no I think it's all the, the little periphery around the motor. Yeah. I just yeah. had an image of you with the chainsaw, electric saw, torn apart. A- Andrew's on your headset telling you to cut the green wire. <laughs> You're sweating really hard. God damn it, they're all green. <laughs> they're all green. It won't turn off. <laughs> I disconnected the battery. I think it's hard to see the power of the sun. The future of a... Uh, 
mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, I mean that's a, that's a real thing. The yeah. whole, the, I mean, right now I'm investing heavily in training a mechanic, and and the the software that we're using, Fleetio, to be able to track all of our equipment and all the trucks and everything, and all the maintenance necessary for. I mean, it's the the implication is huge. You know, to to implement a piece of equipment that requires a lot less maintenance is going to save you on more than just the cost of the repairs. It's going to end the downtime, but just the amount that we're investing in software to have to maintain stuff, sure. and training mm-hmm. to train the mechanics and all that is is a lot sure yeah. yeah you know and even and that's the thing is even in the fledgling stages of having the um, technology for um, electric vehicles like we're still pretty early on with mm-hmm. it yep it's already more efficient yeah it's it's already, already it's already like, blown it out of the water right out of the gate and we, we haven't even taken the training wheels off of it yet really so i mean yeah. the future is give it give us 20 years yeah See, see where uh, battery technology and where arborists uh, are at with electric technology in 20 years from now. Oh, my God. It, it, it's very possible that, that gas motors will be obsolete in arboriculture in 20 years. I would, I would, I would almost bet if the, if the, rate of, um, the rate of improvement continues to be similar to what it's been in the last couple of years, from the, the first saws that we got to the 540Is, 20 years from now, oh, my God. I'm holding out for the laser saw, man. Battery-powered <laughs> laser saw. I'm, I'm, I'm holding out for it, man. <laughs> it's solar-powered laser It's solar-powered. It just focuses the rays of the sun <laughs> and then, and then. into a focal point. It just cuts right through yeah. like butter. Set a pick for your rigging drone. <laughs> cut well, it I mean, out with the laser through, saw. They're cutting through steel with water. Yeah, maybe we'll have water saws. Ooh, I mean, who knows, man? You know? Seawater saws harness the power of the sea. <laughs> Call it uh, the Poseidon. Who knows, man? It, who knows? It's it's hard to say where things are gonna where things are gonna go. Yeah, it's awesome to think about, though, and that's a yeah, awesome, terrifying, scary. So, like the benefits of electric saw, less emissions. Obviously, there's the initial cost of building the thing. I'm just kind of recapping where we've been. Yeah, um, we talked about the noise pollution thing. Definitely quieter. Definitely, which is nice. <laughs> you know, you still wear your protection with where they are at now. Right. And then another thing I've noticed is not having to pull the cord. Oh my god, that's mm. one of the all best. The time. You one just of the hit best a button. Features. Yeah, yeah. hit a button, yeah. pull the chain break. You're good to go. Yeah. Your, yep. el- your elbow, I mean, you don't regrow cartilage, right? I mean, that, yeah. that's... Yeah, and sometimes you're in a weird spot. How many times know? have you smashed your elbow pulling the cord? You know? Yeah, or you just <laughs> or kind of fumble with it, and it, like, smacks your knuckle in a weird way. Oh, yeah. Or you just don't even think, and you do it right in front of your face. You let go, and then, you, you, yeah. <laughs> I've punched myself. I've punched myself more times, times than I care to admit. And the, the, you know, the choke, I mean, the choke fails. That's probably one of the most common things that sucks about starting a saw is when the choke fails, and then you got to freaking just pull the... Pull the throttle and wail on it for like thirty seconds. Yep. Yeah. And you're then you're already all spent before you even started working. Like, okay. <laughs> all right, now it's time to thank this guy. No, there's been plenty of times where I've given it everything I got, and then I, I give it to Ace. All right, will you will you yep. pull it for a while? Yeah. And then it, and then it just <laughs> bounces around the tree crew. Yep. Then finally yep. it goes. Yep. Yep. 
it seems like there's always that one guy on every tree crew. He's just the de facto. Like, just give him the saw. He'll he'll get it to yeah, fire. Yeah. It going. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. There's, there's torque too, right? Electric yeah. engines. Yeah. That initial, like you were talking about the 540i. Instantaneous. Instantaneous. I've noticed the the difference with um, the um, the well, one. I, I was talking about the 500. Sorry, sorry. That's sorry. The five. Yeah, yeah I, I meant yeah. the 500i. Yeah, totally. Sorry, sorry. They, the they the 540s aren't quite there. <laughs> they're not quite there. It starts with a five and it ends in an I. Yeah. It all blends together for me. No, but I've noticed with the the 161s, the MS 161s, the little steel electric uh, battery powered chainsaws, there's so much torque that they don't um, they don't bite into the wood like a normal chainsaw would. So you actually have to push it more into the wood because it'll just it'll cut it out so fast that it won't continue biting and continue moving through the saw. I don't know if that's so much a function of it's got those uh, one quarter inch uh, narrow kerf or narrow. Um, yeah, the quarter the, inch pitch. Yeah, quarter inch pitch pico yeah. blades or pico chains on it. Yep. And yeah, it just it just seems like you you have to almost muscle it a little bit more. It doesn't just want to feed through like a normal you know normal uh, internal combustion engine saw does. That's that's just what I've noticed. Yeah. I feel like I kind of got the same experience with the five hundred I. Okay. Because there's so much power and 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 that's what my I haven't run it a lot. I don't run saws as much as I used to, but um in the times that I did and when I first started running that 500 die, I was thinking I just need to really learn about sharpening this thing and getting the the right raker and tooth sharpening on it because the the saw has so much power, but it was it was either like not biting enough or biting too much like Getting that, you have to sharpen the the teeth for the power. I think in some ways ah, that makes sense. You know, yeah, yeah, no, I can and totally I, see that. And I wonder if the like they, I'd be interested to see if they come out with a chain dedicated for the, like a five hundred i or dedicated more for. I mean, they have their own chains for batter, uh, the newer battery powered saws, right? And I wonder if that was a consideration. They're like, mm. okay, because uh, the the five forty i and the ms one thirty one or sixty one those both have their own proprietary chains, right? Like th- th- those chains came out with those okay, saws. Okay, cool. Right? I didn't know that. So, so I'm wondering if, like, because I was kind of annoyed by that. Like, why can't you just use a 3 8 inch low profile like that we've been yeah. using for, you know, yeah. decades now? Why can't the you just The still or the Oregon? Uh, I like Oregon. Oregon, yep. Over- the rounded ones more. Yes. They have yep. a little bit more of yep. a rounded tooth, yep. and yep. then the still is more the, the sharp More angle. the straight top, yeah. yeah. I, li- I like, yeah, I like the rounded ones nice. more. But anyway, um... Yeah, why didn't you just stick with what's already been established? And I wonder if that plays into it, that initial torque. I wonder if they tried to design these chains, like they started from the ground up and started with the chain. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, we're going to have this higher torque. We need to, you know, design it around that. I'd be interested to learn. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I was just using or go ahead. My, my buddy, Charles, I bring him up all the time, uh, owns Urban Arbor Care, and I was working with him, you know, last week, I think. And... We're printing this big leaf maple, big, beautiful tree. And he's like, hey, you want to use the electric saw? And I was like, oh, no, it's yours. You can, you know, you can use it. And he's like, oh, I got two of them now. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, definitely take one. <laughs> it's the 540i, you know, sweet saw. But his has the panther bar. And I don't know if he was able to get a different chain for it or what. But he was telling me it cuts different. Yeah, we, I almost should have lined bar. up a, a call a call with him. Maybe it's just the bar is different. Do, is there a chain that's different with it? Uh, we use the quarter pitch. Okay. Yeah, the quarter inch pitch on the Panther bar. At least Keegan got Keegan just loves yeah, having the best of everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But 
He's got the Panther bar with the quarter-inch pitch, and they even put the quarter-inch pitch with those bars on the uh, 150s and on the 201s. They, they even modified the sprockets on the yeah. 201s to fit the quarter-inch pitch. And the, I mean, they, these guys are doing crazy stuff yeah. these days. <laughs> and, I mean, that, that quarter-inch, so not to knock it, but, like, the quarter-inch pitch for pruning is probably the best for bar. For good cuts, yeah. For good cuts. Yeah. It is the best bar and chain combination Definitely. that I've ever used. Yeah. Like, the, the 540i is a beautiful saw, but it, as far as, like, fine, detailed pruning cuts, it doesn't really hold a candle to the 161 with that mm. one uh, quarter-inch pitch, which I haven't run it with a Panther bar, so I'd be I'd be curious to see how it, it rocks that. But the, mm. the stock bar and chain that comes on the 540i is is not that great for fine detailed cuts. I mean, I, it's funny, Corey, that you mentioned that you like the Oregon, the old Oregon, uh, uh, what is, it's, it's not, what, what, what uh, size is the, like uh, the stuff for the, so the, like a climbing saw is a three eighths inch, three -eighths low, inch. Pro, low profile. Yeah. It is three eighths inch. Okay. I, I think so. Yeah. That was my favorite saw to sharpen. Yeah. I love, or that chain. I love sharpening that chain, and it might have been just because the files that we use or what. I mean, it's so complicated. Yeah, yeah it is. All, there's a million different files you can use, a million different techniques with the, I think it's, is it three-eighths or smaller? What's the, it must be three-eighths. But dialing it in, figuring out if you want to use a guide or not, or if you want to freehand it, if you want to be doing a 10% angle on your cut with the big saws, that's what they recommend. That is what they recommend. You know, is angling it up, you know, and then you start messing with the, uh, the pitch of the, of the cut of the edge on the tooth, you know, and the mm -hmm. degrees of, if you're running 35 degrees or 30 degrees, 25 degrees, you know, I've I've got forty five degrees, you know, and found that that cut really freaking aggressively and great, but then you're using your whole tooth up, right? right. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and you're only going to get a couple sharpenings out of a tooth, right? right. Whereas if you got a blunt edge, you're probably not going to be ripping as hard, but you're going to get like six sharpenings or eight sharpenings or ten sharpenings out of a chain, right? Depending right. on how hard you rock it, right? And so there's so many different factors into how chainsaws cut that's just based on what kind of chain and how you sharpen it is that that's kind of a huge factor, much less what kind of motor is powering that chain or what kind of bar you have on it or right. all these other things. It's so complicated. I mean, you could probably make like a thousand configurations of bars and chains and files and all, oh, no, all for the same saw. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and this, I mean, that's a great teaser for another podcast episode. Totally. Because oh, I, nice. I mean, we, we, we're going to save that one for the podcast is what we're totally. going to do. That's, that's going to, that's going to come down the pike. How to sharpen a chainsaw. How to sharpen a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to find some chain nerds calling up. Oh, and yeah. the difference. So there's like square grind and all. Oh yeah. 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 The, some people like a lot of loggers will sharpen their chainsaws with a flat file. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm my buddy Todd Lowry up up river. He pulled his flat file. I was like, "What the hell are you doing, sharpening your chains out of the flat file?" Yeah. Next thing you know, it's ripping. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the guy's just ripping through the wood. I went, oh my god, that's cool. Yeah. When I just like it was one of my first contract climbing jobs. You know, I worked for this guy, and he, uh, he's like, "How's your two hundred one cutting? Does it need an edge on it?" I was like, "Oh, sure, about to go up a pin oak. Like you can throw it on real quick." And he pulls out a flat file, and I was like. <laughs> doing man <laughs> but yeah it was cutting pretty good yeah. so so 
I think the reason why it's relevant for this uh, topic is that how you sharpen your chainsaw might vary between electric and gas. Yeah, right, that's right. interesting. You're not you're not going to carry the same necessarily. Potentially, I don't know. Yeah, you might might not be carrying the same tools and techniques yeah. or anything because the power difference might affect how the teeth cut. Yeah, and I wonder if somebody's going to come out with something that um, if they're going to like completely redesign the chain and be like, okay. We're going to make this chain. We're going to start from the ground up, right? We're not even going to think about the uh, internal combustion gas-powered saws anymore, right? How can we make this battery-powered saw cut the best that we can? Lasers. Late, obviously. <laughs> Ob- Thank you, Jamie, for stealing my punchline. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I, I'd be fascinated to see where that all went. Sweet. Any other benefits? That's all I came up with. I mean, you look awesome when you're using one. <laughs> but it's so quiet that nobody looks. Nice. Yeah. yeah nobody, no, that nobody looks. Oh, yeah. That's true. That stealth. Is stealth. Nobody yep. looks anymore anyways yeah. because the uh, YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and all that kind of stuff have desensitized people to people doing amazing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know that, like, when I first started, there'd be people pulling lawn chairs up and... You know, oh, the yeah. neighbors would all be walking down the road because they hear the chainsaw and they want to see someone doing some crazy stuff. Now they're just looking at their phone, just straight line down the road. That's they don't true. even look. Yeah. No, yeah. No, no, don't see know. the cones no. or nothing. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> Drive right over the cones? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been a speed bump. It used to What's be like Facebook it was a right circus now? act and everybody would be entertained and have fun and pull out the popcorn. Not anymore. Now, now they would rather just watch YouTube. Yeah. You're not, you're not quite as cool as that cat who fell asleep. Not quite as cool. Not quite. Um, cool. Are we kind of getting to the end? I know you got to take off. Your yeah, I got to. I got to do one. Yeah, I mean, we've been going. We've, we've been going a good yeah. little while. We got good. a good, good little bit of content. Nice. Yeah, we got an cool. episode. Right on. Let's Andrew do some. won't be too mad at us. Uh, no, no. So <laughs> he'll be furious at me, but you know. Yeah, I don't think he'll ever uh, leave the captain seat again, though. No, he won't. <laughs> this, I was going to say I don't think he'll host again because Corey did such a good job. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing an amazing yeah. job. I, I'm very impressed yeah. with his... Uh, no dyslexia. <laughs> got through all your <laughs> But I didn't have as many all rights as he usually has. Yeah, I know. And I haven't so. quite got the vernacular yet. I'll be better next time, yeah. I promise, Tree Thinking Podcast yeah. guys. Yeah, and Andrew just has this amazing voice. He really does. <laughs> it's, just, it's an acquired taste. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's probably going to edit all this out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck those guys. Fuck those guys. <laughs> All right, let's let's do some final thoughts. He's, okay. he's behind the door listening right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I could start with some final thoughts. I can. Let's hit uh, it. Well, I just, uh, it's been a little while since I've been here, and it's uh, reminded me how much I enjoyed, uh, you know, the pod. And um, I think that electricity probably is the future just going to take some time to develop they're going to work the kinks out but before you know it from uh power drills to boom trucks it's the future yeah my final thought is going to be i forgot to bring something up we spent all this time talking about chainsaws but the ronin electrical ascender oh my god how we don't mention the ronin no way so it's a big box like this and i've used it and it's it's awesome you can get to the top of a tree 150 feet up and be fresh ready to work you know so it's awesome, but I'm looking forward to it, forward to it getting to the size of a 
of a rope runner or yeah. something, you know? Oh, yeah. So you have, like, a Batman utility belt, and you're just cruising up to the top of the tree. Saltwater battery. Shoot a, shoot a grappling yeah. hook up to the top of the tree <laughs> from your saltwater battery, yeah. and then just ride it all away. Yeah. So that's another thing to hopefully look forward to. I, I saw nice. another manufacturer making something like the Ronin. I mean, it's the same size, but as this stuff progresses, you know, maybe that, that will get smaller. That one was able to take a two-person load. They were they were doing a rescue. It was kind oh, of cool. oh, nice. I don't know who it is. I'm sorry for even bringing it. Up. <laughs> <laughs> I do that all the time. I'm like, I saw this, but I have no information about it. <laughs> it's in the ether. Look yeah. on the internet. Yeah, find it on the internet. But yeah, I'm excited. I really enjoyed uh, battery power saws. Just being quiet is is nice. You know, I love turning off the chipper. I like using electric saws. They make nice cuts. Not breathing in the fumes. Like we said, there is that initial cost of making the thing, but I think in the long term it is more sustainable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be honest. Uh, like my entire experience around uh, battery powered and electric um, equipment, you know, I'm, I'm really a 75 year old man shoved into a 30 something year old's body, right? I just, I, I really don't like to adapt, and I really don't <laughs> yeah. like change. I hate it so much, and I was like. Internal combustion or die. Like that was always what I said. And then I tried the battery powered stuff and it really, it really is the future, man. Like it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to see where we're going to be. And like Rob was saying, 20 years from now, do you think there's going to be an internal combustion engine? I don't know, but, uh, I'm excited to find out. So yeah, my final thought on that is, uh, you know, stay safe and, uh, keep charging on along. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, yeah.